Welcome to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning service to you each and every week. We're currently in our sermon series, Next. The best is yet to come. For the past 20 years of Rolling Hills, we have seen God do more than we could ever imagine. Countless lives have been impacted for eternity. Many have professed their faith through baptism, Adults and children have grown in their faith through discipleship. Campuses have been launched in communities all throughout Middle Tennessee. And the vulnerable and the least have been served throughout the world. God has shown up time and time again, and now we faithfully look ahead to what is next for His church, knowing that it's not about us and our future, but about God and His perfect plan. Our prayer is that this will be a season that we look back on and see as one where God grew and stretched His people in ways He never has before. We're believing we will see restored relationships, miracles happen right before our eyes, radical salvations, and prodigals returning home. We believe for all of this and more. In this series, we're walking through the book of Nehemiah, and how God's call on His people in that day is one He still has for us in 2023. May he find us faithful as we step forward, trusting that the best truly is yet to come. So listen in as we jump into what the Lord has for us today. All right. Well, you know, as, as thinking about Nehemiah, as, as he said, we're working through the book of Nehemiah and kind of what, uh, because the faithful hand of God was on or gracious hand of God was on us, you know, kind of thinking about that, that passage and Nehemiah chapter 3, have you ever been in one of those moments where you just kind of feel like everything lines up, right? It's like everything's like something outside of yourself is in control and everything just kind of seems like it lines up in spaces that you probably couldn't have done on your own. I think back really as we kind of think through this morning and how we get to where we are today. Uh, I think back a couple of months ago, or really about a year ago today, we were still in, we were celebrating two years, or we're celebrating our year anniversary at Riverside, setting up and tearing down, and really knowing that God had something for us, but not knowing what that something was, and kind of thinking forward, like, hey, God, what do you, where do you want us to be? What's, what's kind of the thing that you're opening up? And we began having conversations with uh, the church that was here, a church named Chalice. And uh, those conversations, it kind of seemed like it was, you know, we'd had conversations with these guys before and things kind of didn't go anywhere with that. And, but this time it seemed like things were going well. And uh, we kind of fast forward a little bit. Those conversations kind of moved towards actually coming to fruition. And by Christmas time, as Pastor Jeff said, we've got the red envelope. And the, all of our campuses, all across Middle Tennessee, all of our campuses giving red envelope. That's our year-end giving. It kind of happens uh, every year at the year end of the year. That's when year-end giving happens. But that, that happened, and all of that went to have a down payment for us to have a building, a permanent location. So across all of the campuses, those individuals gave, people sacrificed there at the end of the year. People that will probably never attend a service here gave so that we could be here this morning. Isn't that pretty incredible? And as we kind of walk into the next several weeks into a, a, a season, an initiative of next, we're, we're going to ask you to kind of jump in and, and give and be sacrificial in the same way, knowing that, hey, we're going to give to things that maybe we will never experience because we've been given much. We want to give and, and bless others. That's kind of an aside, but we'll keep going. 
But Christmas time they gave and, and we were able to do this down payment. And, and so we were thankful for Riverside Elementary, but we knew now that we had this space and we were celebrating those things. And uh, it kind of, it all went through, everything kind of finalized in February. And it was exciting. Uh, my boss, who's a very intelligent man, he's here, so I'm saying lots of nice things. He said, um, beginning, he said, hey, I think that we will be in there by Easter. He's not going to say that he said this. But I was like, there's not, really? But he's smart. So I was like, I trust you. Uh, and then we've hit some roadblocks. And some of you know some of those roadblocks that just didn't work, right? They, it, there was no way Easter was going to happen to begin with after we got in and realized there was a lot that needed to be done. But then, but then even kind of pushing that back. But we realized, like, I, I was honestly pushing for some, some dates that were earlier than today. Some of you know that I honestly, I wanted our first day to be here was September 24th and kind of the launch of this new series. I thought that would be so great to, to start here on that day. And then over the past several weeks as I've prepared for this Sunday and thinking about it and looking at the passage that we would study, it just seems like God had his hand in it the whole time. Go figure. To line up where we are this morning to what we'll study in Nehemiah chapter 3. As the people of God begin to rebuild the walls to protect the city and to bring hope and joy and peace back into the city. And they lock arms and serve side by side to each other to make that happen. And it's just one of those moments where you just feel like, God, you're up to something, something that I could have never foreseen, something that I would have honestly pushed back against because I wanted a different date, but you had a plan. And this morning we get to kind of celebrate that as we celebrate the, the opening and the kind of the beginning of this and how awesome it is that God's put us, put us here and just realizing, again, as we talked about, that this is the soft launch. Over the next several weeks, we'll do some things that are a little bit different and, and, and some things that, that are, you know, kind of test and trials to make sure we understand before we start on uh, a kind of grand opening on December 3rd. But this morning, as we turn to Nehemiah chapter 3, I think God has something very special for us today there. And we're going to start... Uh, with, with working through, if you have your worship guide, just a couple of things. But I'm going to pray, uh, and then I'm also going to promise you this. I'm not going to try to read through this, this list of names because I will end up on some sermon fails on Instagram. If I try to do that, it'll be bad. So uh, we're, we're just going to kind of work through this passage together. But uh, I promise I'm not going to try to name all of these names. But first, let's pray and just ask the Lord just to bless in this time that we have together. Lord, there's, um, there's certain times that I feel like we can race past and miss just really, really good things. And this morning, I feel like I'm on the edge of racing past some really, really good things. And so I just want to slow down for just a moment and say thank you. I want to say thank you, Lord, for all of the individuals that are here this morning. The fact that we are here this morning and being in this room and on this property, it reminds me of all of the people who gave so much time and energy over the past several months to make this day possible. Being here right now, it reminds me of what you're doing. And the God, that you didn't get the address wrong. You know exactly that this was where you, you desired for us to be. And even though this is not what we knew at the beginning of when we started here in Columbia two years ago, God, you knew exactly what was going to happen. And so, God, we celebrate that. 
And as we did already, God, we just dedicate this place. We dedicate ourselves. We, we, we give ourselves to you for your glory. And we pray that you would do a mighty work in this place. That we truly would see lives transformed. That there are those that are in homes just across the street from us right now. That, God, they do not yet know you. Or for some time they've, been, they've walked away or whatever it is. But, God, that even right now you are beginning to draw their hearts. And we'll celebrate lives transformed. Families that are transformed. Marriages that are restored. Generations that are transformed by the good of your gospel. Keep us faithful, Lord. And steadfast to the good work that you've given us. It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen and amen. So if you remember uh, last week, the first thing we'll kind of look at is last week in, in Nehemiah, at the end of Nehemiah chapter 2, says that Nehemiah talks to the priests and the nobles and the officials and the other, other city leaders after he's gone out at night. And he comes back and he tells them what he's seen and he tells them what God has done and has, how he has got, God's hand is on him. And this is what he, God's called them to do. And the response there in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, it says, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. And the gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. We will no longer be in disgrace. And I told them about the gracious hand of God that was on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so we began this work. So the first thing, if you're following along on the worship guide, the first thing I want to point out from this passage that we really got to understand and see is the people. Right? The people are, are, are kind of the, the, the centerpiece to what's going on here and what happens in this, in this passage, in this rebuilding. It, it doesn't happen unless the people respond. And they do, as Nehemiah tells them and reminds them, hey, this is what's going on. These are the things that I've seen. This is what God's called me to do. This is what the king said. They're like, give me a brick. Let's go. And they begin the work. And, and as you read through chapter 3 and kind of walk through this list, and, and if you're following along on Daily Steps, you'll know that last Monday we kind of wrapped up chapter 3. But if you don't, if you've not followed along on Daily Steps, if you haven't jumped in there yet, grab a Daily Steps as you exit today. We'd love for you to follow along and read these chapters with us, read through Nehemiah with us over the next several weeks. But it, it kind of wraps up in Jeremiah, or Nehemiah 3 there, and we get to these names. It's 32 verses of names. And one pastor says it reads kind of like a Hebrew phone book. Names and, and, and places where they worked and all of these things together. And, and to be honest, it's one of those chapters that as you read it, it's kind of like Leviticus. You could, you could read it and be like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to learn in this. Right? Now, don't tell Bible school. Don't, don't report me to some Bible school. I, I'm going to go somewhere with it. Right? But you could read it because honestly, you could end chapter two in this that they were responding and they wanted to go grab this brick and they wanted to do the things. You could go to chapter four and truly you wouldn't miss a whole lot. But a list of names, a list of people who jumped into the wall, 77 names is what it lists, 44 sections of wall, 10 gates and so forth. All of these things are, are listed there. And, and so when, when you ask the question, what am I supposed to learn by a list of names? I think that there's a lot to learn from this list of names. I think there's a lot that we can learn as you read through this and, and understand that, that not only does, does Nehemiah or does Ezra write these things down for us, as Ezra is the, kind of the author of Ezra and Nehemiah, 
As Ezra write down these names for us, as God kind of gives him those instructions, because we believe that this word is just as inspired and, 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 and get, given by God, right? So this is just as inspired as John 3 and Romans 8. So I believe that God didn't waste these words. As he gives these names, there's something significant about what he's doing here as he's laying this record. Not only does he do it here, but three other times in the book of Nehemiah, he lists the names of these people. Not verbatim, but their families and tri- all of these, he lists them. So what I want you to hear is that God cares about these individuals. God knows the names of the people that are working. God knows the names of his children. He, he's, he cares about them. In this list, I think just a couple of things that we can see that we, that, that, that's here for us, that in this list of name, we, we see people who made the first push in Jerusalem to restore the wall that surrounded the city, as well as to restore the lives of the people that lived in the city. In this list of names, we see people who worked together to accomplish something that by themselves they could not have accomplished. We, in this list of people, we see names of individuals who, who, who are from all walks of life, professionals and priests. We have, we have all, all different walks of life that are listed here, some that are, some that are builders and some that are professionals and carpenters, and those, but some that are not even, they're more like me, and they had bricks in their hands, and they knew kind of what to do with them, but they probably needed some, some instructions from other people. And maybe that part of the wall wasn't as strong as others if I was doing it, right? We have people from all walks of life that are here. In this list of names, you have individuals who are excited enough about what God was up to in and around them that they were willing to step up and to step into the work that God had before them. In this list of people, we, we have names. In this list of names, we have, we have names of individuals who, who, who are a beautiful picture of what it looks like and what can be accomplished when the whole body of Christ works together. In this list of names, we see a, we see a city and a community and a neighborhood and families and individuals that are restored and transformed by this wall that is restored and brings peace back to the city. In this list of names, we see that God cares and celebrates individuals and their obedience to the work that he set before them. In this list of names, we see that God cares and that you as an individual matter to him. Isn't it incredible that recorded for us in Scripture, I mean, we don't, if we understand that this is the complete revelation of God, everything that God wants us to know about who he is and all that he's done so that we can have relationship with him, that four times in the book of Nehemiah alone that God records the people who restored this wall, don't we realize how precious it is that God knows our names and that he cares about us as individuals. He cares about us and the work that he's given us as individuals. It's incredible to know that God cares. And so the first thing that I think we've got to recognize in this passage as you read through, and I encourage you to read through these. Again, I'm not going to try to fumble over them, but you, you can read through these, maybe listen to somebody else read them that does it professionally. I think that's a great idea, but, but read through them. And in that, remember, be be reminded that God knows your name. God's called you to something specific in the same way that he called these individuals in their moment there in the book of Nehemiah in Jerusalem as they rebuilt, rebuilt the wall. The second thing as you're following along is that the plan, the plan of what would happen here 
is, is kind of what we, we, we see. This is a huge project and an undertaking that, that kind of is, is you understand it, the scope of what happens. There's really, it would have taken years to do if it just a group or just a small group of people were to do it. I mean, we've seen road projects, 65 right now, if you're going north, you've seen those things, right? This is a huge project that they would undertake. No one person, no small group of people would have been able to do this in a short amount of time. But this, it happens in 52 days. These individuals work together. And if you look in verse 1, it says that, that this high priest and his fellow priests, they went and they rebuilt at the sheep gate. And you go to, if you skip down to verse 32, it said between the, the room above the corner of the sheep gate, the goldsmith and the worship made repair, worship goldsmith and the merchants made repairs. And so you see as you go through this, it, it's ten, uh, ten gates that he walks around, the ten gates that are, that are there that go all the way around the city. And so the plan was not to just restore part because that wouldn't accomplish what needed to be accomplished. It was going to be restore the whole wall around the whole city. And so the plan for them, it required all of these things to, to repair all of those things. And, and in, in, in doing that, even though it was a bunch of people, it required each of them to do their job. My son, Quinn, who is a, a freshman at school, and this year uh, he was volunteered to play football. I know some of you are judging me for that. We can talk later, whatever, that's cool. Um, but it, it, I thought it was a good idea. It remains to be seen. He's in, he may be in the room, so he may have a, 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 an idea of it, if it was a good idea or not. But, but in this, probably, I just say, hey, man, it's a good idea for you to play football. I think it's a good thing, and I'm proud of him. He works hard and, and, and has given a lot of energy to do something that I required him to do, but that's what dads are supposed to do, right? But on the back of their practice T-shirt and all of the all the all of the studs that play on the on the football team there, it's it, just a phrase that says, "Do your job." Just this reminder for all of those guys: Hey, you have a job, and if you do your job, when we go out on the field, when we when they say hike, when the, whenever the play starts, whether you're on offense or defense, if you do your job and this guy does his job that's next to you, we have a chance to win that play. And if we win that play, we can win this, this game. Over and over again, do your job. And I hear the coaches say it sometimes in frustration, sometimes in excitement. But you, just that phrase, do your job, and it's simple, right? But, it, but there's some profoundness to it for us as individuals. But I also see it in this passage, this call to do your job. Not to compare your job to somebody else's job. Not to compare the part that you have to play to somebody else's part that they play. But to do your job, to play your role, to do your part, whatever it is. And as you look at this, as you go through this passage, what you realize is that people did different parts. They played different roles. They did different jobs. Some built walls. Some repaired gates. Some did other, th they did other things throughout this, this time in this 52 days. Some sections of the wall were bigger than other sections of the wall. Different individuals had different roles, different portions that they were responsible for, but each of them did their job. And in doing their job, what was a, what was a large undertaking was able to be accomplished in a very short amount of time because each of them did their job. I think this picture, this, this passage, again, we said it just a second ago, is a beautiful picture of what the church can accomplish if we take that courageous step to do our part that's set before us. Individually, to do that part that, that we play, to do the thing that God's called us to do. 
And, and, and the question of do you have a part to play, the answer is yes. I know that right now I, in, the, in this kids' building or in preschool back here, there, there, are, there are middle school students who are helping lead worship. They're serving on a core team right now. Do you have a part to play? Yes, because middle schoolers have a part to play. If you think I'm not qualified, then I don't know what to tell you. Middle schoolers are serving right now. You have a part to play. I don't know what that part is, but I know that you have a spot. That God's called you to do something, to be a part of what he's doing here. And we have a spot for you. We want you to find those, those places. This morning, it took about 40 non-staff individuals to serve in various roles across this campus. And what we call core teams. 40 individuals, as many as 40. I think it was a little more than that. But they served different spots. And they'll serve in all of these different roles. Some are very big roles. Some are smaller roles. Some, but here, here's what I do know. That none of them. Have, all of them did a great job, but none of them have a degree in greeting or got an usher certificate somewhere. Maybe you did. I don't know. It wasn't from us. There's training that's involved. Absolutely. We'll train. We'll get you ready. But they didn't have to go to school for what they're doing in the serving places that they're serving in today. Middle schoolers are doing it. And you have a role. As we move forward, we believe that God is going to continue to expand this. And, and we, we, we long to have more than one service here to be able to attend one and serve one because that's just a part of our DNA, right? We want to be able to do that. That means some of you right now that don't yet have a place are going to have to step into your place. And here's the thing. You're not committed for life, but you step in. If it doesn't work, we'll find another place. But if you've been on the sidelines for a while, it's time to step in. And I'm saying that, and maybe, I may, maybe you get mad at me. That's fine. We can have a conversation because if you're here, you have a role. And it's more than just keeping that seat warm. And we want you to find that place. I know some of you have come from places that maybe you've been hurt in class, and so there's a spot for you to chill and to, to rest and to restore, but there's a time for us to get back into that because growth is when we begin to actually serve and move, and we can be restored and, and celebrate those things. Uh, and, and I want to share just a, a video just real quick of one of the individuals who serves uh, at our Franklin campus because I believe this is a testimony uh, of just a, an interview that really explained what it looks like and why it's important for us to share uh, our gifts and serve in different places. So pay attention to this real quick. God's pointing at each one of us and he's saying, I want you to serve. You know, it doesn't take a special skill. Don't be afraid, you know. There's nothing to be afraid of. I have yet to have even little kids. No one's bit me yet. So <laughs> you, won't get, you, you won't get bit doing this, I hope. I won't, can't promise that. But, you know, it's one of those things, if you do, suffering for Jesus, take it and go. My oldest son gave me a T-shirt that says, my name is Papa because I'm way too cool to be called grandfather. And the freshman year with my guys at camp, we had a, a young intern who was 20, and they said, man, we got to have a different name. You can't just be Mr. J and Evan. Why don't we call him dad and we'll call Mr. J granddad? Well, one of the kids said, wait a minute. He's got that shirt that says, my name is Papa. I'm way too be cool called grandfather. So why don't we just call him rather than Mr. J? Why don't we go to Papa J? So that's where that came from. 
Why at almost 70 am I still doing this? Man, what a question. Just because we turn 65 or 70 or 80 doesn't mean you can't serve anymore. The call to serve doesn't have a retirement date built in. I didn't see Jesus say, go and make disciples until you turn 65 and then you can go play golf. You know, we're, we're called to serve and I don't think it ends. And it doesn't require a gift of teaching or hospitality or, you know, all the spiritual gifts that are out there. You know, it, it's, it's called availability. But you know, it's not hard to stand at the door and say, hello, open the door for somebody. My desire is to bring people in that will love to, that love being at our church. We are very fortunate to have phenomenal Bible teachers that can share and teach God's Word to us. We have phenomenal worship. You know, I want to see that continue. But the future is those people behind us. It's those kids in the pre-K program. If we don't pour them, our lives into those people, there is no future for our church. They are the future, and that's where the focus needs to be. I got on you know, Connect Camp's Instagram page, and they had a banquet at the end of the summer. 500, I think, four young people gave their life to Christ through Connect Camps this summer. 46 of those were here at Rolling Hills. You want a reason why you should serve? Come be a part of that. Come share the gospel. I mean, there's nothing like sitting with a young man or a young woman who says, yes, I would like to learn what it means to ask Christ to come into my life. It will change your life forever. Papa Jay's a pretty incredible fella. Uh, I've known him for a couple years, and I'm encouraged and challenged by him. I'm also worn out by him uh, on a regular basis. Because uh, I, I love his energy and his enthusiasm. Because I, I'll tell you this, that this morning he's serving in, in, kids, in student ministry or kids ministry at the Franklin campus. And tonight he'll come back and he'll serve in, in high school ministry and lead a small group. This morning he'll also stand at a door during one of the services and greet people as they walk in. And then Wednesday night, he'll come back and he'll serve in student ministry and lead a small group there on Wednesday night. The man doesn't give up. And then during the summer, last summer, I think he went to student camp, he went to kids camp, and he did connect camp. He has way more energy than I do. But he serves, he's got this, he, God has given him this passion and this energy for the next generation. He steps into it and he serves and he gives that energy to it. And, and listen, if he has it, you can have it. You can have that spot where he's called you to and to do your role. I believe that the same, the same thing that you guys, for, for all of us, that God has called us to do our part in rebuilding the wall, as it says in, in, in response to what Nehemiah gives us in, in, in chapter 3. And then the, the third thing is this urgency. The third thing that we see is this urgency. And I think he said it, I think if you want a reason, if you want a reason to, to step into serving in some places because of the next generation, to be able to sit with somebody and share the, the love of Jesus with them as they trust Christ for salvation, if you want to understand the urgency, like, understand what's going on, the urgency, the weight of Nehemiah's heart. As you go back to chapter 1, his heart was breaking over the city of Jerusalem as it was in ruins. And, and, and he was, his heart, the brokenness of his heart was evident to the king. And so he responds by sending him to Jerusalem. And, and, and you see all of these individuals in this chapter. You read through chapter 3 who also have hearts that are broken because of the city. 
because they see their city in ruins. They understand the urgency of the moment. They understand what's at stake. Because if you understand, if you, realize, if you realize what's going on in this moment is that when he looks at the city, it's, it's a city that's without hope. It's a city that's without peace. And by city, I mean truly the, the area, but also the individuals. That if the walls are down, there's nothing protecting them from those that are outside. There's nothing protecting them from those who would come in and, have, and do harm to them. So there are people who are, who are hurting, They're broken over their city that's in ruins. They understand the stakes, and so they step up. You get a little bit of a picture of, of that heart of what's happening in this moment for Nehemiah and for the people when we just kind of look at ourselves. I think I said this last week, but the, but the reality for some of us is that we, we understand this urgency in our own hearts as, as we feel that weight in our own families, maybe in our own lives, where the walls seem to be broken down, where they seem to be in shambles around us and there's no peace in our homes or in our hearts. Maybe we look at our culture and we realize that there's no peace in our culture and things that were maybe kind of keeping things together have fallen apart and, and there's an urgency for us to act. And I believe that in this room that there's an urgency in our hearts that, that, that we have in, are in the same place. That is, and, and just in the past couple of weeks as I've driven around these neighborhoods, I know that even though the facades of houses may look clean and beautiful, that on the inside there's, home, there's individuals that hearts are broken, that they feel the same heaviness because, because there's no peace and there's no joy, there's, 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 no, there's no safety and security in their home for moms and dads and daughters and sons that are longing for peace, longing for those broken walls to be restored. And what I believe and what I hope is that we sense that urgency and we respond to that call for this community. For us as individuals that we would respond to wrap our arms to say, hey, this is, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna be a place where you can come where no matter what you've gone through, where you've been, what you've done, you can come and you can find peace. You can find the joy that your, your heart longs for. You can find the refuge that you desire. You can find it here. You can find it in community groups. And maybe in the process of that, that their souls, their hearts find that joy and that rest and that refuge and that restoration that they long for. Because ultimately, we know that it's not walls truly that surround the city that brings that protection. Because scripture tells us that Christ, that God is our fortress, that we run to him. And so we're called, us as individuals, we're called to run to him. And we're inviting not only just to come in as if we're going to protect them, but we're calling and inviting them to run to Christ, who is ultimately their refuge and their protection and their peace and their joy. There's an urgency to this. And then lastly, there's a legacy that we leave behind. I think it's pretty significant that you see in this passage as they restore these walls and these gates, that these are the same walls and the same gates that Jesus walks into. As a young man with his family, as they travel to Jerusalem, he walks inside of the gates. People who restored these gates would never, had no idea that they were restoring them in, prepare, in preparation for the Messiah to enter in. These would have been the same gates that Jesus came into the city on Palm Sunday. It would be the same gates that he would leave out of to be crucified on the outside of the city. 
outside of the protection for the sins of the earth, for sins of all people. So we, we realize that there's a legacy that we leave in these moments when we do the work that God's called us to do. The foundation is laid for us to follow the foundation for these builders that they, they laid this foundation to build this, rebuild this wall. And we have the opportunity to follow in their footsteps to do the same thing and to be a place, a church that says, come anybody who's looking for hope. This is a place where you can come. And we don't know. We don't know the legacy that we leave behind for the next generation. We don't know who will come here. We don't know the ways that you pour into one student or into somebody in your community group or in the way that you greet and invite somebody and make somebody feel welcome. You don't know how that's going to change their lives. But when we step in and do our part, I believe that God can use that part to do incredible things. And that's where we are this morning. And I, you kind of get to this, you think about these, this record of individuals and the names four times that he, he gives these, these names and significant, meaningful celebration of individuals who played this crucial role in what's happening there. And I look around here and I see a lot of people who have played a significant and crucial, critical role in what's happened here at Rolling Hills so far. And I believe that that's only the beginning. Some of you, maybe this is your first time or maybe you haven't been in a while and you are going to play a significant role in what God does here at Rolling Hills Columbia in the lives of many that have not even stepped foot on, these, on this property yet. One of my favorite pastors to go to and read in preparation uh, as I prepare for, for sermons on, on a weekly basis said this, that, that you know, he's, God's, God wrote these names down and indicated all but, all but one that were faithful workers. As you read, there was one that was not a faithful worker. But in, in this passage, is, is just a reminder of what, what's the question, the question for us. Is when the Lord writes your name, is he going to write down next to it, faithful worker? Will he say, well done, good and faithful servant. You did your part. You stepped in in obedience and courage to do the part that I gave you. Ask God what, what your part is and then take courage to follow him in obedience. Ultimately, I think one of the, one of the greatest things as we close is Jesus on the, right before, he was, right before he was crucified, he sent his disciples out. And he says that they came back and they rejoiced that, and they told him that even the demons were subject to him and he responds by telling them, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And for us, it, it's not just that you do your part. I hope that we all step in and do our part. But the question that's really important for us is have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you, your name may be written, maybe some of you are like me and your name being written down on something was net, net, often a negative thing when you were in school, right? Had somebody wrote your name on the board. But the question today is, has your, have you trusted Christ for salvation? Does God know your name? Because ultimately we can leave here and I can challenge you to be a part of what God's doing here. But if you don't step into trusting him for salvation, then all this, that's just a hobby. The life transformation that comes with a relationship with him is what's foremost for all of us. And then we step in into obedience to him and what he's called us to.
So if that's where you, if you're in a spot where you have not yet trusted Christ for salvation, as we wrap up today, I'd love to have a conversation with you. But what we celebrate most of all, the reason why we sing, the reason why we gather is because Christ has come that we can have relationship with him. Christ has come to restore what was broken, that, that relationship that was broken with, with him because of sin. And through repentance and, and obedience to him, we can have that relationship restored. And so that's what we want to celebrate. And I always want to make sure we come back to that. And so if you're in a spot where you just don't know where you're at with that, I'd love to have that conversation with you because that's the one, that's the name that we want written down first. Because then we get to be called good and faithful servants. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.